Lord, we thank you once again for your presence with us, wherever we are. Lord, help us to continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us more and more to come to the realization that church is not the building, but church really is the people of God. And where we are, you are. Help us more importantly to be where you are, so that our hearts and minds are aligned with you. Lord, as we go into your word today, pray for your preacher, hide me behind the cross, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let me now read, uh, go back to the scripture text for today, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Give thanks to God for that. Now let me begin by looking at verses 35 to 36. Paul asks, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now the quotation here is, comes from Psalm 44 verse 22, where the psalmist laments the disasters that the country was facing even though God's people had not forsaken God's covenant at all. And Psalm 44 ends with the psalmist crying out to God, God to help them because of His unfailing love. From these two short verses, just two simple truths to be gleaned from them. Number one, God's people are not exempt from suffering in this world. God's people are not exempt from suffering in this world. Paul names a whole list of bad circumstances which can happen to God's people. Trouble, hardship, persecution, so on and so forth. Some of these circumstances are man-made, like persecution, sword. Others are merely a reflection of wider societal problems, like hardship and famine. However, Paul puts this suffering in the context of suffering as God's chosen people. Psalm 44 affirms that God's people were not suffering over sorry, were suffering for no other reason than simply because they were God's people. It's not like they were being unfaithful or anything like that at all. Which is why the psalmist really cried out in frustration like Job. He's saying effectively, Look God, we are innocent. 
Why are we suffering? In the past, you granted us so many victories, but now we are languishing in defeat. The best part is, we didn't even do anything wrong. You know, to a large extent, COVID-19 has certainly made us, many of us feel like that. What did we do wrong? But really, this leads us to grasp another essential Bible truth, that suffering is to be expected, especially as God's people. That God's people should learn to embrace suffering. The world believes if you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do bad, of course, you'll be punished. From the Bible's worldview, however, our faith in Christ does not shield us from the storms of this world. As I said last week, there is nothing wrong that we, you know, when we pray for protection against COVID-19. But to quote quote Psalm 91 as a spiritual amulet to fight against the virus that no harm will ever befall Christians is against the biblical grain. The psalmist cried in Psalm 44 is precisely because there was no protection for God's people. And so we must not think that God's people can be exempt from suffering. The fact of the matter is that Christians do suffer from plagues and diseases just like any other human being. But what Paul is really saying here goes even further. By quoting Psalm 44 together with the whole list of woes which a Christian may suffer from, effectively Paul is saying, even if you didn't do anything bad, you will still suffer as God's people. Even if you didn't do anything bad, you will still suffer as a Christian. See, Job is one example of that truth. Jesus is the perfect example of that truth. In fact, Jesus made it very clear on several occasions in the Gospels. He repeatedly taught his disciples, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Deny yourselves, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, there is something costly about being a Christian. That is Paul's point here. Or as German theologian and Martha Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, grace is free, but grace is not cheap. There is a price to be paid for being a Christian. Full stop. To be clear, Paul is not saying that we need to pay the price for our salvation. No, if that were the case, Paul would be nullifying all his previous arguments about justification by faith. Instead, Paul is saying, let's learn to embrace suffering, the suffering of Christ, even as we desire for God's glory. To learn to embrace Christ's suffering as much as we desire for God's glory. And so if we really want to be like Jesus Christ, we must subject ourselves fully to God's will, including embracing suffering for being a Christian. Listen again to Psalm 44 verse 22. For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. For God's sake. Did you hear that? It's for God's sake that we face death all day long. And just as Jesus was defenseless, beaten, mocked, and crucified on Good Friday, Christians should one day expect to find ourselves like defenseless sheep waiting to be slaughtered. I've said before, COVID-19 is merely a small test for the church, and if we cannot stand up during this time, what will happen when real persecution comes? Thankfully, meaningless suffering is not the end of the story. Psalm 44 ends with a cry for God's unfailing love to be demonstrated once again. And God's unfailing love is what Paul picks up on and emphasizes in the rest of Romans 8 as the passage that we're looking at today. First of all, Paul says, In the midst of suffering, God works for our good. Verse 28, 
You know, Romans 8.28 is one of my all-time uh, favorite scripture verses. Let's read it out. It's on the screen together. Let's uh, read it out together. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God always works for the good of those who love Him, even if we go through difficult circumstances and we do not yet perceive what God might be doing. The story was told of Rabbi Akiva, who was once traveling. With him, he had a donkey, a rooster, and a torch. He came to a city and he sought lodging, but they would not let him stay for the night. Nonetheless, Rabbi Akiva did not complain. He merely remarked, All that God does, God does well. Having no other choice, he camped in the field. During the night, a lion came and killed his donkey. Later, a cat came and ate his rooster. Finally, a wind came and extinguished his torch, left him freezing cold in the night. Yet again, he says, all that God does, God does well. In the morning, Rabbi Akiva walked back to the city where he had sought to spend the night. He found the city sacked and all its inhabitants killed. If he had spent the night there, he would have been among the dead. If the Romans had heard his donkey bray or his rooster crow or have seen his torch, they would have found him and killed him. Realizing all this, he exclaimed, Have I not said that all that God does, God does well? Family, do you see that God always works for our good, for those of us who love Him, works for our good in all things? In fact, Paul wrote, verse 29 and 30, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many other brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Do you notice the language here? It's grammar. It's all in past tense. All of them in past tense. And so Paul is effectively saying, it's already done. If you are justified, you are destined for glory. You are already glorified from God's point of view. And so really that's the greatest good that God has prepared, predestined for all of us. The glory of Jesus Christ. But remember my earlier two points, we must learn to embrace suffering even as much as we desire for God's glory. But in the meantime, it's okay to struggle. COVID-19 really has completely changed our lives. For most of us, we can no longer work as we used to. And now we have to spend most of our time indoors with our family. We struggle. But can staying at home, staying at home more not be a good thing? Isn't it good to stop our usual busy lives? At the very least, we can exercise more, which keeps us healthier. We learn to spend more time together with our loved ones so that we don't have regrets later on in life. For parents who are so used to sending our children to enrichment classes, isn't it good that now we get to teach our own kids more closely? You know, a lot of good really can emerge if we learn to see things from God's perspective. And can I just add a very practical word here for parents with school-going children? Please, for goodness sake, do not frustrate yourselves and your children by giving them endless homework and assignments, okay? Take time to talk. Do other meaningful activities like cooking or even cleaning. You know, their psychological well-being and spiritual growth are important. In fact, more important than academic grades. A zone leader shared with me yesterday, at home with a heart, is our church team for uh, this year, as you know. But really, it extends beyond our church. Let your homes also be God's home. 
Let your homes also be that place that honors the elderly, the place where children are dearly loved. Home with a heart begins really at home. Second point we learn from the Romans passage today is in the midst of suffering, God has provided all that we need. Taken from verse 32. The story was told of a US soldier who had returned from World War II. He returned during Christmas, hoping for a great family reunion, but to his horror, he discovered his mother had a critical illness that required a major operation. But the problem was, she had a very rare blood type, AB-. The whole world's population, only 1% has this blood type. No one in her community had this blood type, and so for her operation, she really needed this blood type. So the soldier was very sad. As he was driving home from the hospital, he passed a soldier along the way. A voice inside of him said, Why don't you give him a lift? Why don't you just give him, give him a lift? And so he jammed his brakes, waited for the soldier to walk up. And then he offered him a lift because they were headed in the same direction. And soon the passenger noticed that this soldier was very sad. And so he asked him, What happened? And so he related his mom's condition. He kept the other soldier kept quiet for a long time and then finally he put up his dog tag containing his name and blood type. Then immediately they drove straight back to the hospital. The mom had the operation and lived another 10 years. The funny thing was, this man was so excited he, forget, he forgot his soldier's name. You see, God always provides. God always provides. In this COVID situation, we thank God for a government who is looking into as much provision as possible. Of course, they cannot cover every angle, and this is where we are coming in as a church. We will also provide a temporary relief fund. If you are financially affected by COVID-19, please contact your cell leaders. Do not feel paisae you know, or embarrassed. We want to help each other here. We are family. The cell leaders will then float out your names and situations to our outreach and social conscience committee. We generally want to help and go be with you through this period in practical ways. And this is also why we have been encouraging all of you to join cell groups. In the bulletin, I've given you instructions of how to contact the pastoral team members as well to join a cell group. You know, in times of peace, you know, we think cell groups seem like an optional thing. But uh, in times of peace, it feels like you don't really need a cell group. But in times of crisis, I can tell you cell groups are the best thing ever. I've repeatedly seen cell groups stepping up for each other in times of crisis. So encourage all of us to join a cell group, especially in this season. And if you are already in a cell group, do not stop connecting with each other online. And beyond just meeting online, you can uh, you know, do other things, texting each other, praying with each other over the phone, so many other things that we can do to keep together as a cell group. As an aside, for the cell leaders, I really need you, counting on you, to shepherd your flock uh, through this difficult period your so-called the mini shepherds uh, that God has appointed. So keep tending and looking after the flock on my behalf. But beyond what this church and what the faith community can provide, the best thing is that God has provided himself. And that's why Paul wrote in verses 31 and 32. Now let us read these two verses again together. It's always good to read scripture aloud. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Graciously give us all things. You know, the Bible has story after story of God's provision, even in very desperate times. 
God provided manna for the whole nation in the wilderness. Elijah was fed by ravens. Jesus multiplied, multiplied food to feed the 5,000 uh, from just five loaves and two fish. Our God is a provider God. So let's pray and trust Him. But do let the church know if you really need financial help, we are also God's agent of provision. The third point for today's sermon, in the midst of suffering, God also intercedes for us. Verse 34. Point two earlier was about God who provides physically, graciously giving us all things. But then Paul shifts gear here to speak about God who is always on our side in the spiritual realm. Verses 33 to 34 says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Do you recognize the magnitude of these verses? The devil cannot charge you any wrong because God has justified and pardoned you. No one can condemn you because you are covered by the blood of the Lamb. And more than that, you have Jesus himself who is at the right hand of God, you know, right next to God to intercede for us. I can only imagine what Jesus might be saying to his father. Abba, do you see Tony over there? He has done wrong but it is repentant. I stand in the gap for him. Let me experience your forgiveness. Abba, do you see Lily over there? She's going through a very tough period. I intercede for her. Let her experience your grace throughout this season. I will carry her through myself. And so one by one, for all of us, perhaps for all of us at once, Jesus lives and intercedes for all of us. That's such a wonderful truth. What this means is that you no longer have to have the pastor intercede for you. My prayers are not more powerful than yours. You don't have to pray in church for your prayers to be heard. All of you who pray in Jesus' name have the same access and privilege as I have. In fact, all of us have the same privileges as Jesus himself, God's son. So church is not where the place where prayers are heard. Pastors are not the reason why prayers are heard. Jesus at, right, at God's right hand is where? and why prayers are heard. So draw near to God, therefore, with boldness, knowing that Jesus intercedes for you. The fourth point, in the midst of suffering, God's love enables us to be more than conquerors. Verse 37. The story was told of a state in the United States where there were several potato farmers. And every year during harvest season, the farmers would bring in the harvest of potatoes to sell at the market. And so that's what all the farmers did. They brought in the harvest of potatoes, threw them onto the truck, and then sell them at the market. But one farmer was different. Each time he brought the potatoes to the market, they were nicely sorted out. Small, medium, large. This was unlike the rest of the farmers who had a mixed truck of potatoes. And so they asked him, how did you sort them out? He said, simple. All I do is to drive through a long, windy, and bumpy road. And as the truck goes up and down, left and right, the potatoes automatically get sorted out. And so what's the moral of the story? When we walk with the Lord, in the light of His Word, even if the path He leads us through is long, windy and bumpy, His love enables us to be more than conquerors throughout our difficult seasons and throughout this COVID season. The best way really for me to explain this for you is what my wife and I do uh, as parents for our children as we seek to build resi resilience in them. 
You know, my daughter has a naturally more anxious personality. Getting her to go to preschool was a real challenge as her separation anxiety was very high. When my school, just to give you a comparison, when my son went to preschool at 18 months, he only cried for one and a half weeks. In contrast, when my daughter went to preschool at three years old, she cried for uh, nearly every day for six months. That's how high her separation anxiety was. And somewhere along the first two or three months, Val and I had real serious doubts about continuing with preschool. We were quite prepared, you know, to pull her out until she was uh, more ready. But our sister-in-law, who is a child psychologist, advised us otherwise. She said we have to persevere. We have to persevere in order to teach her resilience, that this little girl must find her own way to self-comfort, to self-soothe whenever she feels anxious. And so that's what we did. We continued sending her to preschool despite the heartache of seeing her cry nearly every single day for six months. Did it pain us? Certainly a lot. But we continued because we knew it was good for her in the long run. In the same way, God works for our good, even though we suffer in the meantime. Did we provide everything our little girl needed? Yes, every morning we will hug her, we will comfort her by telling her, you will be fine, you will be fine, you are a brave girl, and we will always pick you up today, just as we picked you up yesterday. We provided our presence and faithfulness, just as God has graciously provided His presence and faithfulness in our lives. Did we intercede for her as parents? Of course, we prayed like crazy. And here Paul reminds us that Christ Jesus also intercedes for us. Did our love provide the security and foundation for her to be more than a conqueror? I believe it did. From that time on, when she started getting used to preschool, we now use that same belief to encourage her to try and not give up. We tell our daughter, just as you overcame those problems in the past, you can overcome this new problem now. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Finally, did we ever stop loving her for her weakness and constant crying? No, of course not. Nothing will ever separate her from our love. And family, this is exactly what Paul concludes in Romans 8, verses 37 to 39. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it brings me to my final point. In the midst of suffering, God's love never leaves us. God's love never leaves us. But here, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that God's love and mercy is not an indulgent, sentimental kind of love. His love is a love that is so good, pure and holy that it will overwhelm you. I'm not sure if you have experienced this goodness and this love before. And I did, and when I did experience this overwhelming, pure and holy love, it really moves from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Once during worship service many years ago, I grumbled to God in my heart. I was very discouraged, and I told God that I wanted to stop praying for my elder brother's conversion. He's just so close to the gospel. Whenever I try to share Christ with him, he would tell me to shut up and slam the door on my face. Just at that moment, after many years of trying, I really wanted to give up. I was grumbling to God. God said to me during the time of worship, He put a short, just a short question in my heart. I felt God asking me, Is my hand too short to save? Is my hand too short to save? 
For those of you who have heard God before, you will know God is really is a, is a master of a, of a communicator. He uses only a few words to communicate, but he communicates a whole lot of truth. And all he said that morning was, is my hand too short to save? And I started weeping like a baby because I experienced God's wonderful love at the same time his power, knowing that God was always faithful to his word. I couldn't stop crying because I knew deep down that God is very good. God is on my side. God is powerful. God is faithful. And in this case, he will bring this seemingly impossible act of my brother's conversion to come to pass one day. As far as I know today, my elder brother has yet to publicly acknowledge Jesus as his saviour, but he married a Roman Catholic girl. And today, his two children have biblical names. I continue to pray for him because I know how loving God is. His goodness and love will surely overwhelm my brother one day. And then my brother will come to know the Lord fully on that special day. Now let me just summarize. We have covered a lot of ground today. Let me do a brief recap. As Christians, we are not exempt from suffering. In fact, we are to learn to embrace suffering as God's people, even when we are innocent. We embrace suffering for the sake of the world, just as Jesus embraced suffering for the sake of the world. However, in our suffering, we have great comfort from God's word that God works for our good, that God has provided all that we need. God lives to intercede for us. His love will enable us to be more than conquerors. And finally, nothing that can ever separate us from God's love. His love and faithfulness will never leave us. And so really, these are God's word of comfort to us in this season of distress. Last week, we spoke about who holds, uh, what uh, the future holds. We do not know. But today, we learn about the one who holds the future. And these are the five wonderful truths about God that will guide us into the future. As we enter this holy week, while we cannot honor God in the usual ways uh, we have been used to, that is by attending worship services, we can indeed continue to praise God because we know the end of the story. In the end, Jesus wins. Good Friday is painful, even deadly. But in the end, Easter comes. In the end, God's love wins. But in the meantime, between now and Easter, let us learn to journey with Jesus Christ in this valley of the shadow of death. Don't be too quick to jump to Easter. There is much to be gained from our time with God in the valleys of life. Just as potatoes get sorted out because of bumpy rides, many things in our lives, in our church, can be sorted out in this season. What should our response be in this uh, time then, very quickly? Number one, first response for everybody, stay at home. <laughs> right? Pack your house, maybe. But more importantly, seriously, stay rooted in the wonderful truths of God's Word from Romans 8. Keep meditating on this scripture text over and over again. This is a wonderful season to draw near to God as an individual and as a family. And then we've got to learn to stop complaining. Learn to be like Jesus who suffered silently. We can do that because of God's grace and love. Number three, I hope for all of us, you know, really to seize the day and make new make the most of new opportunities. I have said this in my pastoral letters. You can go there to the website once again to revise, so-called. This is really the time for the church to arise and to shine. Don't wait for organized religion. Don't be focused so much on coming to church. Let's really be the church. And so we do we, because we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come, let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful truths found in your word today. 
that Lord, you are with us. Your love will never leave us. That we are more than conquerors. That Lord, you intercede for us. Lord, you have given to us all things. And above all, Lord, you always work for our good. Help us to stay anchored really in these wonderful truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me just give to you the class meeting questions for this week. What is God saying to you this Holy Week season? Share a thought that God has spoken to you from your devotional, from your reading of the Bible or Christian literature, or God may be speaking to you through the circumstances. So it's something that personal, what God's saying to you in this season. And then secondly, how would you make the most of this stay-home season with God's help? What is God prompting you to do for your family, for your you know, extended family? Perhaps you cannot meet them, but what can you do for them or your friends in this season? So leave these two questions with you.